everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. My uncle has told me time and again that he still doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. He's currently in his 60s. I say this because there are times in my life when that's resonated with me. I've never had a singular, all-consuming passion that so many people in the photographic or creative industries seem to have. In fact, I've admired people that seem to know what they want and are able to be laser-focused on making it happen. Danny Diamond knows what he wants, and he knows how to get it. I was fortunate enough to sit and chat with him for a second time at Push Conference 2019 in Greencastle, Indiana. And once again, he was gracious and full of insight. Enjoy, my friends. Start off, um, get as close as you can. The seats are a little low. This is perfect. It's never been more perfect. <laughs> you ready for this, my friend? Yeah, tell tell me who you are once again so everyone knows. How you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Donnie Diamond. I'm a fashion and portrait photographer out of New York City, but I live in Connecticut because I like to park my car next to my house. Mm. So that's that's me. That's me. I'm 30 years old. I have twins. I have a wife. Everyone is doing great. Connecticut is beautiful. New York City is awesome. What are we talking about today, my friend? I, you make me want to talk about anything that's going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Well, there is one thing going wrong. Okay. I cut my finger on Friday when I was trying to make cucumbers, pickles. I was cutting cucumbers and uh, oh. the knife slipped. And yeah, yeah, I need to go to knife knife knifing lessons. I now see the bandage. I did not notice it. Yeah, so, you have it cleverly well, disguised. I try to hurt myself at least once a year, preferably two to three times. Just, remember last year I was on that you had scooter? A leg, you had a leg problem. You yeah, I was, yeah, I was basically missing one ankle. Right, right. Yeah, I fell off a ladder trying to put in a new shower head. Well, it keeps you humble. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> I was quicker on that scooter than I am on my feet, though. You, you were fast. That? There yes. are videos of me flying up and down you the were, West Side Highway in New York City. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, were, you were very fast on that scooter. Um, I want to know something though, in all seriousness, why do you come to Greencastle, Indiana every year? I come here to hang out with people that have the same interest as me. I come here so you could record me talking about things, things. It's really awesome. <laughs> Your podcast is like the best podcast I've had. Oh, come on. No, I'm serious. I listen to it every night to put myself to sleep. <laughs> put yourself to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a compliment, I think. Um, yeah, but I, it's just amazing that, I mean, they're giving me a platform to come share what I do and who I am and, and it's, it's pretty awesome to just be able to talk about the things you love, you know? But you were saying yesterday that you wouldn't, I'm going to put this in my words so you can change it back to your words. You were saying that you don't, you're not an educator, you're a photographer. Correct. And you want to keep it that way. Yes, absolutely. Why? <sighs> I... I guess that I don't I don't want to get lost in the education side of photography and then 
lose my touch on photography or only do photography because I'm teaching it. Mm. I want to do photography because that's what I chose to do and that's what I want my career to be. I want to be known as a fashion photographer. I don't want to be known as an educator. It's not that I have something against educators or educating. Mm. As you could see, I clearly love sharing what I do. Right. It's just that I don't want it to take up more of my more of my time. That's also the reason that I have a manager for my workshops. I, I oh. deal with nothing. I just tell him that I want to go here. We find a venue, and he takes care of booking the flights, right. everything, all the logistics and all the details. Right. Like you that, I up, get to you come. Teach. Exactly. Right. Right. And you want to keep it simple like that. Correct. Yeah. So, it, so photography still is your main passion, your main thing. That's what you, that's of what course. you do. Yes. As long as I could. You also said something, um, I'll call it somewhat provocative in your program that I caught yesterday when you said that you don't need good gear to great, to get great shots. Is that, of course, is that fair to say? I'm not going to say that you should never upgrade your gear mm -hmm. and get the best camera that you can and the best lens you can. Yeah. But what I'm referring to is the people who already have that and they're still, and now they're looking, oh, should I be switching to mirrorless? Should I not? Should I switch? I'm like, you know, oh, okay. you just you just need one camera, one lens, go out and shoot. Right. Stop thinking about what you don't have, what you should upgrade to. Right. And if you don't have a high-end camera, you could still create killer content. Right. And that's why I wrote that article on F-Stoppers. That's 30 mind-blowing images taken with entry-level mm -hmm. entry gear. Mm-hmm. You look at that article, I don't care what you have, you're going to go out and shoot because that's how inspiring those images are that I share. Mm -hmm. And those are all created with cameras and lenses under 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. So don't focus too much on the gear. Exactly. Don't focus too much on the gear. It's funny because we don't want our clients to focus too much on the gear, right? You hear people saying, oh, that's a nice camera. Well, that's like telling a chef that that's a nice oven. And then yet we're exactly. all, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the gear ourselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's next now for you this year? It's hard to say. I don't remember what I said last year when well, you asked me the same question. You had like goals before you were 30, I think, didn't right. you? Right, and, and I hit 30 um, yeah, in did November. You, did you hit all the goals? I think so. My portfolio was at the end of the line of the goals, yeah. and I got that. So I made a video for that. I don't a know printed you, portfolio. Uh, actual printed right. portfolio, yeah. yeah. That's what you say is very important. But, yep. I think not, not just for booking clients mm -hmm. but just for yourself to yeah. have an actual uh, we, we spend so much time and and so many years and hours and our whole career is creating images and if you think about it you ask someone okay let me see your images they're going to show it to you on some other platform on instagram on their website right. on their cell phone but you've literally been shooting for 10 years and you don't have a physical thing to show for what you've been doing <laughs> what happens if the internet crashes what are you going to do what are you going to do once a month when instagram and facebook go down yeah you know? right 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 i mean instagram goes down every day now and that was and, an apocalypse <laughs> for a while exactly people are going to twitter yeah <laughs> <laughs> um what what you now you're on the other side of 30 though so do you have a list of goals for 40 now, um, now you're 10 years out from that milestone. I think at this point, it's just to acquire bigger clients and newer clients and just can't wait for my hair to turn gray so people take me more seriously, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. But at, at this point, it's just to continue doing what I'm doing, I guess, and just raising my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, photography, like, everyone knows me by a photographer and the first thing they want to talk to me is about photography, but... At this point, photography is just a job for me. It's a career. 
And yes, I'm an artist and I'm creating art and it should be every energy and every little piece of ounce I have in my mind should be going to photography. But for me, it's just a job at this point. It's just making sure that I approach it as a business, create content, post it on social media, make clients happy, get paid. But ultimately, it's just about family and just you know, what's best for the kids, raising the kids, making sure you're there for them, and also having hobbies that keep you healthy and something to look back at besides for photography, like my gardening and my woodworking and woodworking, stuff like that. Woodworking, right. Yeah. You said you're making furniture. Yeah. I just built my kids a table and chairs just uh, not long ago, but I still have to show you pictures of that. I know. Yeah. I need to see this furniture that you're making. It's, it's, uh, I enjoy creating stuff things whether it's physical or not i just enjoy creating things so just being able to just spend hours watching youtube videos on how to do something and then going out and actually trying it and creating it it's it's a good feeling you know what do you do for a night out a night out like like say you're getting away from all of it maybe it's a date night so we tried to do that, but it's very hard to find babysitters for twins. Yeah. Yeah. And especially at bedtime, putting them to sleep is impossible, yeah. even with both parents around. So we can't imagine having like an 18-year-old girl trying to do well, that. Well, yeah, I get it. Because you um, don't have much family around. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, it does suck that we don't live near our family. The mm -hmm. closest is two hours away. Mm -hmm. So it's been a long time since we had a night out, but mm -hmm. it would be pretty amazing to just go out with my wife, paint night, just go for a walk, hang out. So it's out. something that you think about anyway. <laughs> yeah, so our, our date nights are just stay at home and do nothing and stare at the wall. We're yeah. just happy not, not running around changing diapers and, you know... <laughs> Just once the kids are sleeping, you just want to zone out. Yeah, I guess that uh, that makes sense to me. Um, so you don't. This is this was intriguing to me in that you said you had this big list for when you were thirty, and now when you're forty, you don't have a list. Yeah, I think not uh, the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think that your twenties are probably the hardest years of your life, especially your younger twenties. Like when I was twenty, twenty-two, I had I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a house. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job. I was in school for business, but it was a very general degree. Mm -hmm. So it's for sure the hardest part of your life. You have no idea where you're going and what you're doing. And those things were all on your list. Yeah, of right. course. I think that's on everyone's list, though, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, by 30, I feel like that was at least for me. By 30, I wanted life figured out. Mm -hmm. And once it's figured out, I think you, you know, you just... Do you have Just it figured sail. out? You're 30 now. You have I, it figured out? I don't, you think got anyone, it? I don't think anyone really has life figured out. You just you know? want to. Yeah. I asked my grandfather this question. He's like, no, I still don't got it figured out. Really? <laughs> Is that right? Not really. But I, I imagine <laughs> if I did ask him that question, that would be the reply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm 44 and I don't, I definitely don't have it figured out per se. Um, but, but by the time you're 40, you still want to be doing this? I think so. Sure. I mean, why not? We're, we're, you're asking a photographer, a, a guy mm -hmm. doing exactly what other people do as hobbies he's doing as a career. Mm -hmm. How how could I not not be happy? You, you know? feel fortunate in that respect? Of course. Of course. Yeah. The, it, the, the world is full of so many photographers, so many amazing photographers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we have a large ratio of photographers that could say I'm supporting my family, living comfortable, doing photography, you know, or at least doing photography in the genre I like to. For right. example, for me, there are times I considered getting into wedding photography, but it's not something I enjoy doing. But I knew that there's going to be a lot more money in that, you know, mm. but I pushed through it in the fashion industry and I was able to come out on top. 
doing what I love and getting paid for it. Yeah. What sort of unique challenges do you face doing photography in the fashion industry in New York City? Um, so I, I don't think there's anywhere else I'd be able to survive. Like there are times I've thought of going to Miami, but I wouldn't have any clients in Miami. They're all in the New York City area. So New York City, while it's hard to get into the industry, it's like the only place I would be able to get into the industry. Um, the because hardest, the supply is so high there? Be, yeah, exactly. Because there's tons of clothing lines there. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the hardest challenge is losing a client. You, you lose nights of sleep because when you're shooting fashion, you don't have 100 clients like you do if you were mm. shooting senior portraits, mm-hmm. right? So you lose one client, that's like one-tenth of your income, boom, mm-hmm. you know? So you have to just be on top of your game, and you have to be okay with losing a client and always looking for another one. Do they give you a reason? Um, or not they always. Just, or they Sometimes just they just, yeah, they just want a different style in their pictures, and that's yeah. totally fine because I have a very unique style. Right. And I don't, I adapt for clients but not to the point that you won't recognize my work right so i mean there are times that i'll lose a client because i picked up another client which was a competitor of theirs or the other way around that happens a lot well i'll get a phone call and be like well we noticed you shot this clothing line and they're a very similar clothing line to ours is that right oh yeah that happens yeah especially in my in my um my like community Right. of clients because i have all similar clients so is it kind of a tight knit little group where everybody kind of knows everybody else and you yeah, just exactly a bunch of unwritten rules exactly. that you have to yep that's how it works <laughs> oh then so do you still use your 300 some thousand instagram followers to mainly get new clients um that was the I, way I understood it. I think that all potential clients in my industry already know about me. I don't think that I'm finding people who don't know me yet. Um, but it it definitely does give me a platform that that allows me to make connections that I wouldn't otherwise. For example, if I need a model, I don't go to agencies anymore. I could just go to Instagram. If I'm looking for a hair or makeup stylist right. or stylist right. in general simply sending them a message on Instagram. They see your work, they see your following, boom, you get a reply. Right. So it's really helpful. Um, clients also, there are clients that come to me and they write in the contract, are you going to post? How many times are you going to post our images if we hire you? So oh. um, so the the following is, is a huge thing. If Instagram wasn't around and I, who knows, who knows where I would be, who knows if I'd have a job, I'll probably have to actually be taking my portfolio to people's offices and knocking on their door. <laughs> Which is be, the way they used to do it back in the day, but it right. doesn't work that, w- that way anymore. Back in the day, like four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How, how do you then get <clears throat> new clients or get, like, how do you use, if everyone's in this little community, right? And everybody kind of knows everybody and people kind of leave to go to somebody else every so often for a new style. Do you not even have to try that hard to get someone to come to you because they're going to come to you anyway after um, they're done with somebody I else? Would, I would say it's about 50-50. 50-50, some other photographer just lost this client and I just picked them up. Mm-hmm. And the other 50% is people who don't know me, um, like glasses companies, mm-hmm. something that I've gotten into in the past couple of years, just shooting opticals. And the way it happened was because I was just taking random frames that I found, mm. whether it was 
the models frames or I've just found them in a store, I would shoot them and tag the company or message the company the, the pictures and they'll be like, oh, that's nice. And mm-hmm. they, and then they eventually used me. Right. Um, I do the same thing with clothing lines. Once a year, I just think of a creative shoot that I want to do. I reach out to a couple clothing lines and say, hey, can you send me some stuff? And I'll mail it back and they have nothing to lose. They send right. it and then you create content, you right. impress them and hopefully they book you. So will they use stuff that you've already shot or like do they ever say I want that shot? No. Or they say no, I no, want they new never. stuff? Because what happens is with clothing lines is once you once the people are seeing clothing, it's already too late to shoot that clothing. So when I'm shooting oh. clothing, it's a year in advance. Oh, I see. So anything that I create with stuff on the shelf, they have no more use for because that's already sold. They're I not see. selling any more of that. That that sale has been made six months ago sure. at a show and, you know. Yeah, and now it's fall. Exactly. And everyone's wearing exactly. different stuff, right? Yeah, so that's how clothing works. Okay. Well, I, I, I probably should have known that, I guess. No, I, it's something people don't think about. But right this summer, I've been shooting stuff for next summer. For next summer? Yeah. I think that the photographer and possibly stylists and makeup artists are the only people who um, who know the fashion before it's coming out because we're shooting it a year ahead of time. So it's funny that this summer I'm, I'm walking around I, and this past winter I see everyone in the leopard print underclothing. I'm yeah. like, okay, I shot that stuff a year ago. I knew it's coming. And now on the streets I see everyone wearing it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So those, you know, you see those shows where they're like, oh, this is what everyone's going to be wearing next year. Well, because they r- really know yeah. what everyone's going to be wearing next year because it's yep. already done. Correct. Oh, this is this is kind of my, my question is how know. all the clients know what's going to be coming out. And they all somehow know like, the people that care, the people who are creating, designing the clothing. How's, oh. how, how, how is all my clients, which are all competitors with each other, know exactly what's coming out? I, I, I'm not sure. Someone explained it to me once, I forget how, but it's, I think there's just like a couple of trends that everyone follows. Right. And then everyone jumps on. And then I feel like all that happens on the coasts. And then like three years later, it makes its way to the Midwest. Yeah, exactly. So everyone Growing knows up what, in Ohio. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing like Crocs last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. They came out 10 years ago. Oh, I thought it's cool now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how you can tell what people are going to be wearing in the Midwest. Just look on the coasts like three or four years before. And then it'll make its way yep. in. How how much do you purposefully try to use your platform and your followers to monetize to monetize it for something else? So like sponsorships and stuff like that. Yeah, anything anything of that nature. I I try not to. There are a couple of companies that I work with that I actually get paid from, like Skillshare. Like everyone is doing that, and and just a couple others. But like um, recently, I got into um, collecting camera bags, like high-end camera bags, mm-hmm. and I, well, I, it's not. I'm not getting paid for a single one. I simply reached out to the bag companies and I say, listen, send me a bag. I'm gonna use it, create mm-hmm. content, share it, post it. And, um, but for me, I don't want to become an influencer on social media. You don't? No, not That's really. That's kind of where I was going with Yeah, this. because what, what happens with influencers, I think that you're just not being genuine. You're just like posting products and tagging products that you're getting paid to do. Um, well, because like, you don't see a lot of influencers like giving a, a bad review very often because they're not exactly, going to be getting yeah, paid exactly. for that. It's, exactly. It's like looking up a review for a mattress. Did you know that most of the reviews for mattresses are just 
com- the companies that make the mattresses own the companies that review mattresses. Oh, come on. I swear to God, I looked this up. <laughs> I was looking for a mattress for my wife. I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Every review, one after another. And then the worst review is I got my mattress one day late. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's you know? <laughs> it's that's like, what the bad review that's is. Like, that's the one-star review. Right, yeah. right, right, right. It came a day late. Um, but yeah, so so for me, I, I just... I, I don't want to be an influencer. And and the only time that I accept products are products that I actually believe in. Like everyone knows I've been using Wacom tablets for years. So when I had an opportunity to work with Wacom, I'm like, yeah, send me. They're not paying me, but send me the products and I'm right. going to use it and post it because I right. truly believe in your brand. Same thing right. goes for the palette gear, those buttons and knobs. Yeah. And products like that that I've been using anyways, sure, I'm more than happy to post and tag you. I've been doing it anyways. Well, that's of a, a very high value to them. Yeah, exactly, because it's genuine, like, it's like, it's like genuine, like, I, I really believe in your products, so I am going to help you market your stuff. Why are you, why are you this person of integrity, <laughs> right? Like, there's a lot, I mean, and it doesn't mean that, that somebody that would, that somebody that would, I would, that I would label an opportunist, Right. That somebody that, yes, I'm going to, you know, maximize my potential with my influence, with my influence on Instagram and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're just you're more um, withdrawn. You're more thoughtful. Maybe I don't know what it is about you, but why are why are you like that instead of the uh, other way? I, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. But um, you know what I'm saying? I guess I understand what you're saying. Right. Um, I, I just feel like social media is such a fake world that um and and people sense it you know so just being yourself and just being relatable being outgoing just being real with people people appreciate that you know and and on a platform where there's so much fakeness right you know there's a reason i don't post my so my my personal life on social media Yeah, you don't you know there are good times or bad times I'm not just going to post the good times if if I'm going to share my life. Right. You should know about everything. Right. But I'm not I'm not posting everything. You're not going to do that. I'm not posting, you know. <laughs> for me social media is not about random people knowing what I'm eating for dinner tonight. What's your wife think? My wife is a bigger believer in this than me. Yeah. Yeah, there are times that I'm like, "Wait, wait, I I did get a cute picture of the twins. I yeah. I got to post it." And then she's like, "Nope, nope." No. <laughs> so, no dice. Uh, yeah, we definitely are are we agree on, on you're these on things. Yeah. same page so you're going to give a class here in a little bit and a lot of people are excited about this class i don't know if you know that yeah. i heard several different people say i'm not going to miss danny's class i'm not going to miss danny's class yeah. what what's it going to be about um i'm going to be talking about my workflow so my my approach to everything in life is that i'm lazy <laughs> so i am not going to sit there retouching an image for two hours okay but I'm ambitious of figuring out efficient methods. Right. So that's that's my thing. Figuring out efficient things. You know, ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So for me, editing, yes, I love editing. Everyone knows I shoot to edit. Mm. I love it. But I, I need to figure out uh, the quickest way to edit an image. So I, I figured that out. I watched every video on YouTube. It took me about 
1.2 billion years, mm -hmm. but I watched every YouTube video mm -hmm. on retouching, <laughs> and um, I figured out the quickest methods to editing, and then I took all those methods, threw them into an action. This action doesn't edit your image, it just builds a foundation in Photoshop, because most of the time people are overwhelmed, they open up Photoshop, okay, now what do I do? Okay, what steps do I need to do to start doing frequency separation, dodge and burn, sharpening the eyes? It'll take you half an hour just to build those layers that you need. So you have an action that does I have that. action, boom. You click it, boom, everything is right there. Now you just click, mask, click, mask, paint mm -hmm. here, paint there, boom. Mm -hmm. Your image is edited. Is there a way it, for people to get the action? Yes, I give it to everyone. You give it? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I want it. Okay. <laughs> it's in my tutorial, and my tutorial is a third of the price it used to be because it's four years old, and I'm still using the same exact methods. Same thing, yeah. Same exact workflow. Right. But right. when I come here and speak, I'm not just going to speak, show off an action and what I do and walk away. Right. I'm going to teach you. And that's why right. I'm speaking for three hours today. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I, and when I told people like three hours, oh my God. I've that's done I've done five hours usually. This is the this is the hybrid version. This is the short version. This is the short version. <laughs> well, that, I'm actually really interested in that. I get what you're saying. Something that builds the foundation for you so you don't have to redo it every exactly. time. So anything that's a redundant process so to speak is exactly. done within the action then it's all set and you can customize it I'm exactly assuming. right well yeah. it, it's all there broken up color coded and even in the file in the layer names i tell you exactly which brush size mm. flow to use yeah the flow and opacity and everything everything is there and then i have notes also i give out that shows you and i show you in person all right yeah. i gotta i gotta check so it out for me when i'm when i'm teaching you about retouching is not so much i'm teaching you methods mm. the methods and everything is so simple and broken down for you it's something you don't have to memorize what i'm teaching is the mindset behind editing i think that's i think that's what sets apart um editors and great editors um like people walking away with great edits the efficiency mindset not the efficiency mindset the efficiency mindset is a given you need that what's you, the what's the mindset the that mindset teach? i'm teaching you is how far to go how far not to go how to create okay. edits that are clearly edits, but stay natural. You want to see skin details. Is um, it the whole a good artist knows when to stop sort exactly, of? Exactly. Okay. That kind of thing. Okay. Teaching you how to do toning that complements the skin right. and not the other way around. Because you could continue to spend hours and hours and hours yeah, and you need make to know it when, worse exactly. with you every passing hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you need to know when to stop, basically. Okay. And, and just understanding what good skin is what bad skin is what good lighting on skin is it's it's something that people are so worried about just figuring out methods that they forget like to stop looking at the layers panel and start looking at the image oh. everyone is concentrating on numbers hey what number did you use for that i'm like don't worry about that i have right. no idea what i used i right. never know what i used i'm looking at the image when i'm editing i'm not right. looking at the layers panel right oh i like that that's some sharp criticism but uh, it's it's the truth yeah it is it is and People are more worried about, like yesterday, the, uh -oh. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yesterday, one of the photographers are like, is this a good pose to take a picture? Oh, <laughs> They're like laying down. Should I lay down on my stomach or on my side? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Oh, when people man. see the image, they're not going to ask, hey, what position was the photographer in? <laughs> no, who cares? Do whatever feels comfortable for you. Whatever it takes to get the shot. Worry about the shot, not about your pose. That's a good soapbox. Preach it. <laughs> I like it. Really. Seriously. So there's actually one thing I wanted to talk about, which I haven't really got a chance to speak about on a podcast, and uh, that's in relation to the modesty when it comes to wardrobe on oh, photo shoots. snap. And yeah, I, I know that we just lost half your listeners. The you're going to go here. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go there. All right, you know? I'm ready. I'm going to go there. I'm ready. Um, 
uh, we, were, we were having this conversation at dinner last night, which mm. is why I, I'm like, you know what? Why don't we ever talk about this publicly? Mm. That there are people that call it art, you know, but I don't like when people use the excuse of art to undress a model for mm. a photo shoot. It's mm. something that, you know, pe- like I, I said on social media once, I said, why don't people have more respect for a woman and just keep their clothing on on a photo shoot? I understand that there are sometimes needs or there's some photographers that excel in that genre of photography. You know, I, I understand that there's people who do that, but then there's for every one person who's good at that stuff, there's 10 people who aren't and who are just using it as an excuse to just shoot a girl and swimwear at, you know? And um, I understand that I'm coming from a religious background and people are like, well, that's actually not respecting women. Respecting women would be letting them do what they want to do. Right. But... To me, it, I I don't know. I if if she wanted to do that kind of shoot, sure. But I feel like that there's a lot of photographers that and and I work with models every day, and there are models that tell me that oh, I I love that finally there's a photographer who is requesting me to wear my clothing. I'm like, well, why why are you feeling that way? You right. shouldn't be feeling that way. Right. You know, you shouldn't be excited to come across a photographer that finally asks you to leave your clothing on. So you think a, a lot of shoot. times a model will be in a situation where, care. And where then, they feel pressured. Exactly. They, they, they don't want to take off their clothing, but Oh, right. okay. That's this photographer style. So, and, and we're shooting or on the shoot. He asked me to do it. So, you know, I did it, but I feel that like not even half the models I work with care for that. Maybe they do it because they're, um, because they're getting more likes on social media. Well, that's wrong. And that's what mm. I tried changing with my work. You look through my feed. You could look. You could be sitting on the subway and not be embarrassed looking at my Instagram page. Mm. You know, I've I've noticed because there are some Instagram pages that aren't that way. Yeah, someone showed me one yesterday, and I was just I saw, like, I, I, sh- I, sh- I saw a printed portfolio yesterday. I can't like that. look at this. <laughs> he just gave, he's like, check this out, and I was like, I, I I shouldn't see that. Exactly, and that's the way you felt before we even had this conversation. Well, yeah, but so, here here's the here's the question. I understand everything you're saying, and even if I'm on the same page, it at what point does it become? subjective right like it, where where is the line i think where's every, the line I drawn think everyone, who, who, who draws it i i don't think no one draws it i think that each photographer themselves should be a judge for themselves mm-hmm. i'm just saying every once in a while try to leave the clothing on and create an amazing image that with, gets like clothes likes with clothing on right. you know <laughs> i try doing it sure i think i excel at it sometimes sure sure well yeah the the stats would say that you do because you get a lot of likes, and, and even if it's not, if it's not respect to the girls that are in front of your camera, for your wife, for your spouse, your girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've yet to meet a married person, a married woman, or a girl who is okay with her boyfriend shooting that kind of stuff, unless yeah. they're in the industry as well. That's right. a whole different thing. Right. You know, if if you're married to a hairstylist or another photographer or a model who's in the industry, then they understand it. But I don't, I don't know any married woman in my, in my community that would be okay with their husbands going out with models, shooting them that way. You think that the core of the way the, of why you feel this way is you said religion. I think that's why that's the base. Of I it. think that's the base of it. So I understand that not, not everyone's religious, but it does give me a perspective that I think other people may not have or not even thought of. 
Sure. Because they're not religious. Yeah. But for somebody else that isn't religious, they do. I don't know. Maybe just from morals and not religion. Right. Maybe just from morals. That have nothing to do with religion. Exactly. Right. It's just a thought, you know? I I I think it's a very interesting thought. I think I like the way that you put it in that, you know, try, even if, even if you were to pose it as a creative challenge, right? To try to get the shot with clothes. Correct. (laughs) At the very least. Correct. Okay. Well, I think it's, I think it's something worth pondering. Thanks Just for, thinking about it. No, thanks for And I, I know people hate me for saying this well, because some, every time I do open my mouth, 50% of the people out there, more than 50% are like, oh, go jump in a lake. And then 50% are like, man, finally someone said something about this. Well, yeah, but, but people hate people for wearing something on their shirt. Yeah, you know? exactly. So what, what are you going to do? Yeah. We can all just say everything that makes everybody happy all the time and it'll never be interesting. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, you know what? Thank you for your time again. I can't believe that, that, that you do this. I think it's pretty cool and says a lot about you that, that you come from New York to Greencastle, Indiana. Oh, come on. No, I think this that's, is my I, home. I think you know, it's a big deal. New York City is not my home. I know. You said that before because yeah, you're from I, Ohio. I know that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not as big of a deal to you, I guess. But I think it means a lot to the people here. Everyone gets pretty excited to see you around and to watch you <laughs> I, shoot. I learn more from them than I than I teach them. I'll honestly. tell you something that happened yesterday. I was talking to Dan McClanahan. You you were with Dan yeah. a little bit yesterday. I've known Dan for a long time. I've been trying to get him on this podcast. And so yesterday we were trying to work something out. And he said, "No, no, I'm going to go in here and <clears throat> I have to watch this. I'm going to watch this program." And I said, "Okay, that's cool. Maybe afterwards." And then you came out and you were going to shoot that model right and i saw dan come flying out right after you <laughs> and he looked at me and then later on because he went and shot with you instead right. and later on he was like dude i'm sorry i was like what and he goes you know i had a chance to shoot with danny and i was like <laughs> i saw it he goes, he goes i didn't i knew that we were still gonna you know do our podcast and i said it's totally fine man he kept like apologizing for me because he "Quote unquote," blew me off to go shoot with you. I was like, "No, you gotta, you gotta take that up when you can get it." He's such a good guy. He's so soft spoken. I like him. I like him. He's hey, so knowledgeable too. He is. Yeah, he's a smart fella. He is. Well, so thanks again. I appreciate this. You're a good man. I look forward to learning all about your retouching prowess because I'm about efficiency too. Um, thanks awesome. for your time. Good luck. Awesome. Safe travels back home to your beautiful family. Thank you so much. Thank you.